Has the department conducted any kind of post-election forensics on the voting machines that were used in 2016? <laughs> now, what do you think the answer is, Senator? Why would they? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii, on KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine affiliates. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Coming up, I am both delighted and horrified in advance of my guest uh, joining me today. And, of course, I hope you will be, too. Uh, We will be joined shortly by someone who I am going to call a whistleblower here after, uh, of sorts anyway, after he publicly announced on Friday night that prior to the 2018 election, he discovered what appears to be the master administrative voting system passwords for voting machines in the state of North Carolina, just sitting there for anybody to be able to download without a password at all. No password needed. Just download it right off the Internet. So how long have the uh, state's administrative voting machine passwords been available for anyone and everyone to download and use as they see fit? Well, we will talk about that and much more with the man who made this discovery and tried to warn state officials in North Carolina about it last year. I believe it's his first public interview on this uh, on this matter since he revealed this information late on Friday. So please stay tuned for that coming up momentarily. And depending on how things go today, we may even try to open up the phone lines to your calls on that or anything else at 818-985-5735. If you want to jot it down now, 818-985-5735 if you want to line up. But we've got quite a bit to get to first. Some uh, quick news updates right off the bat here. 
Donald Trump over the weekend declared that he will not be levying new taxes on imported goods from Mexico after he says Mexico agreed to help prevent migrants from Central America from coming into the U.S. somehow. That after Republicans in Congress informed the White House that they intended to block the new tariffs and had the votes to override any presidential veto. The New York Times reports that most of the things that Trump says he forced uh, Mexico into agreeing to um, that allowed him to call off these new taxes. Well, these were things, according to the Times, that Mexico had already agreed to about a month ago. Nonetheless, Trump has been declaring his uh, stable uh, genius. Is that what he calls himself? Uh, His uh, genius negotiation skills um, to be another triumph for his administration, though this and the way he handles all such self-created crises at this point was probably best summed up by one of our favorite snarky Twitter commentators. Pour me coffee is the name. Uh, He wrote after Trump triumphantly announced the agreement with Mexico, quote, Donald J. Trump announces power crisis solved with agreement to plug cord back in. Another quick update on a story that we've been following for weeks now, the seemingly unceasing horrific climate change fueled weather in much of the central U.S. over the past month or more. That has caused record flooding, not to mention, uh, what is it, a thousand or so tornadoes, uh, Desi? Uh, A thousand reported tornadoes, and all those will take time to be examined for verification. But yeah, about a thousand tornadoes. Yeah, nothing to worry about. Also, about 40 deaths at last count this year. Uh, So we've got a quick update there. AP is reporting that it's not just the central U.S. at this point, but the southeast now is facing much of the same system that has uh, beleaguered much of the Midwest in recent weeks. They note roads became rivers, high water rescues were underway, and states of emergency were being declared in parts of the southeast on Sunday after more than a month of rain fell in one single day, with more reportedly on the way. The uh, same storm system that linked up with tropical moisture and dumped more than a foot of rain in portions of the south-central U.S. is now crawling eastward, according to AccuWeather. Flooding that brought havoc to Oklahoma, Arkansas, and other states over the past two weeks was now sweeping east, threatening metro areas like Atlanta and Nashville. Uh, The rains that rolled into the region will linger at least through Monday, but a month of rain in one day? Desi Doyen? Yeah, and this is something that we have discussed before. Climate scientists, especially uh, federal climate scientists, predicted that the uh, climate change, global warming, would bring an increase in these heavy downpours, not just in their frequency, but their intensity. And that is exactly what we're seeing now, because global warming intensifies the water cycle. Warmer atmosphere holds more water vapor, leaving more rain to be able to dump on these cities and towns that have only a 20th century infrastructure and not ready for a 21st century climate-changed weather system. Despite all of the warnings from scientists that this was coming, it does seem to be coming, but no, nothing to worry about, of course. No reason for the Democratic 2020 presidential candidates to hold a special debate focused on what the world's scientists and Democrats describe as the existential threat of our lifetimes 
As the DNC said last week, well, if we hold a special debate on that, then we'll have to hold a special debate on everything. So, oh, well, uh, hopefully some uh, journalists, Des, will remember to ask about this uh, this uh, issue this time during a presidential debate. Uh, which, thanks to the DNC, will not be focused on the existential threat of our lifetimes as they describe it, as the Democrats describe it. So uh, why bother? There's much else to get to. Am I right? <laughs> well, of course, there are a lot of issues to there get are. to. There are. Yes, But the there thing are. about specifically having a climate change debate for the Democratic 2020 presidential candidates is because so many of them have put out really detailed, comprehensive p- proposals to deal with all of this. I mean, it's an economy-wide shift. That, yeah, that will be uh, cost trillions of dollars. You think that might be worth talking about for, let's say, an hour and a half on yeah. uh, on a, a network debate. But no, because, gosh, you know, if you want it, then everybody else is going to want it, too. And we just can't have that. Uh, yes. Right. There, because there's so many other things to cover. One of those other things, of course, is presidential accountability. And I'll try to get to a quick constitutional crisis and impeachment update a bit later, if time allows. But presidential accountability here or the quest to see any Uh, sort of helps me segue toward my guest coming up momentarily. As you'll recall, after the redacted version of special counsel Robert Mueller's report was finally released to the public after his uh, two-year probe and after an an additional month of cover-up by Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr, uh, we shared a few noteworthy snippets from that report that buttressed a point that we have been making here on the broadcast. I don't want to say five days a week, but damn near uh, that we have been making on this show since election night of 2016. That point is that nobody has ever done a forensic investigation of computerized voting systems and tabulators or even bothered to count the ballots Uh, for that matter, following the incredibly uh, close 2016 presidential election. And, as you may recall, its twist ending, where Donald Trump is said to have won the presidency. Among the uh, snippets we have highlighted from the Mueller report is just, let me read you these uh, couple of sentences here. This is from volume two, page 50, intrusions targeting the administration of U.S. elections. Mueller writes, in addition to targeting individuals involved in the Clinton campaign, GRU officers, that's Russian military uh, officers, also targeted individuals and entities involved in the administration of the elections. Victims included U.S. state and local entities such as state boards of elections, secretaries of state, and county governments, as well as individuals who worked for those entities. The GRU also targeted private technology firms responsible for manufacturing and administering uh, administering election-related software and hardware, such as voter registration software and electronic polling stations. The GRU, uh, Mueller argues, continued to target these victims through the elections in November 2016. While the investigation identified evidence that the GRU targeted these individuals and entities, the special counsel's office did not investigate further. The special counsel did not, for instance, obtain or examine servers or other relevant items belonging to these victims. The uh, special counsel understands that the FBI, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, and the states have separately investigated that activity. 
But as we have been pointing out here on the broadcast since election night 2016, in fact, nobody appears to have carried out any such separate investigations of the relevant voting systems and servers. In fact, during a uh, Senate Intelligence Committee hearing way back in June of 2017, one of the Department of Homeland Security's top cybersecurity officials, Jeanette Manfra, admitted as much when she was asked about exactly that by Oregon's Democratic uh, Senator Ron Wyden during an open hearing in the Senate. Has the department conducted any kind of post-election forensics on the voting machines that were used in 2016? We have not. Our department has not conducted forensics on specific voting machines. So their department, the cybersecurity department at the DHS, uh, Jeanette Manfra is the assistant director for cybersecurity for the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. That agency, that department... Uh, did not do any forensic investigations. Now, Manfra, she leads the DHS mission, according to her DHS bio, uh, the mission of protecting and strengthening the nation's critical infrastructure from cyber threats. And as you know, before the 2018 election, I'm sorry, before the 2016 election, the Obama administration's DHS declared the nation's voting systems to be part of our critical infrastructure. And yet the DHS did not bother to do any forensic investigations of our voting systems, despite all of the claims by the U.S. government that uh, Russia was trying to hack our elections. They did no forensic investigations, apparently, to find out if they actually did, at least when it comes to voting systems and votes. Uh, Despite the most stunning, virtually inexplicable surprise ending of any U.S. election ever. Now, just a week or two ago, as we reported on this program as well, the new Republican governor of the great and incredibly closely divided state of Florida... Ron DeSantis says that he was finally told by the FBI that voter registration systems in two different counties in the Sunshine State had, in fact, been penetrated successfully by foreign agents via a successful phishing attack, a spear phishing attack of the private voter registration system vendor known as VR Systems. Now, this is some two and a half years after the 2016 election that the the FBI finally seems to be getting around to doing some of this work or at least letting state and local officials know about it. And that same vendor... VR system, which was penetrated via spear phishing attacks, according to the special counsel's uh, two-year probe, they also run voter registration systems in about half a dozen other states as well, according to uh, VR systems website. One of those states is the uh, great and incredibly closely divided state of North Carolina. As Washington Post reported last week, also citing part of that short section of the Mueller report that we have been citing now for weeks, um, Nina Satia over there at Washington Post writes, it was a single phrase offered without elaboration in special counsel Robert Mueller's report 
In, 20, in August 2016, hackers working for Russian military intelligence, quote, installed malware on the company network of an unnamed voter registration technology vendor in the U.S. Now, we know that uh, company to be VR Systems, thanks in no small part to currently jailed NSA whistleblower Reality Winner, who released documents detailing this phishing attack on the company, on VR Systems, which was said to have been uh, successful, that attack, allowing what is characterized as Russian military intelligence then to get inside those systems, at least in Florida. Back to the Washington Post. The claim amounts to one of the first indications that Russians successfully executed a cyber attack against a private company supporting American election infrastructure. And it has set off a scramble for answers in North Carolina. Well, about time, isn't it? Where officials have long been concerned about the security of voting technology company uh, called VR Systems, says the Post. So so much so that the state tried to halt the use of its electronic poll books made by VR Systems. The equipment, the poll books that are used to check in voters because apparently paper is no good. We now have to use computers for that as well. Problems checking in voters on Election Day in 2016 in Durham County, North Carolina, one of the largest counties in the state that made national headlines at the time. So after the leaks by reality winner about VR systems and then the Mueller report, state officials now want to know, was VR systems the company referenced? What effect, if any, did the malware have and how could they prevent it from happening in 2020? While an examination of North Carolina's struggle to answer those questions detailed in court records and a dozen interviews that Washington Post ran last week hints at the difficulties that state officials face in shoring up security ahead of next year's presidential election, including a lack of technical expertise, poor communication between state and federal officials, and the apparent unwillingness, at least in this instance, of the federal agency involved to actually share information with election officials. Russian hackers targeted elections infrastructure in at least 21 states, according to uh, Robert Mueller, and likely more in 2016. Now, last Tuesday, the Department of Homeland Security told The Washington Post that it will finally, finally conduct a forensic analysis of the laptops at least the ones used in Durham County elections in 2016. Josh Lawson, who was general counsel for the North Carolina State Board of Elections until uh, the week before last, told the paper that North Carolina first asked the department to conduct such a review more than 18 months ago, and it has taken this long for the DHS to show up and say, sure, yeah, we'll cover it. We'll look at it. We'll investigate it. 2016? Yeah, why not? It's only two and a half years ago. We appreciate the Department of Homeland Security's willingness to make this a priority so the lingering questions from 2016 can be addressed in advance of 2020, said uh, Karen Brinson-Bell, the newly appointed executive director of the State Board of Elections. I'm not sure I would call it a priority if it took 18 months to get to it, but so be it. Two and a half years later, we're finally going to have a partial investigation of a, 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 a part, a, a, just a portion uh, 
of the voting systems in a portion of the state in North Carolina. The uh, Post goes on to report that there appear to be some laptop computers that were used during the 2016 elections, which have been kept quarantined since then. So they still may hold some data regarding whatever may have happened in 2016 in North Carolina. Now, it's unclear from the Washington Post report whether or not the planned DHS investigation will be of the voter registration systems only or also of the voting and tabulation systems themselves. In a state where, uh, by the way, uh, Barack Obama barely won in uh, 2008, Mitt Romney barely won it in the, the next election in 2012, and then Donald Trump reportedly won it in 2016. I say reportedly because though about half of the state uses hand-marked paper ballots rather than the 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems used in the other half of the state and in other states, many other, including, by the way, beginning next year, uh, right here in Los Angeles County for the just in time for the 2020 presidential elections, believe it or not. But even with hand-marked paper ballots... Uh, which, unlike touchscreen systems, we can actually know to reflect the intent of the voters, those ballots don't do much good unless human beings actually count them to make sure the optical scan computers, which can easily be hacked or even accidentally misprogrammed, to make sure that those optical scan computers actually tallied the hand-marked ballots correctly. And, of course, in North Carolina, as in pretty much every state in the union, they do not bother to count those hand-marked paper ballots. They just simply rely on what the computer tells them are the results, whether those computers have been manipulated or not. Now, as noted, uh, the other half of the state uh, of North Carolina uses, in fact, uh, 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by ESNS. That's the nation's largest vendor whose equipment has failed in election after election after election over the years. And now, in what I believe to be a broadcast exclusive today on the broadcast, a whistleblower of sorts is now stepping forward to say that with uh, Russian intelligence purportedly taking extraordinary measures to access our election infrastructure before the 2016 presidential election, the state of North Carolina appears to uh, have made it incredibly easy for them by leaving things like master administrative passwords to the voting machines and the computer tabulators online for anybody to download no password necessary. Those files were discovered just before the 2018 elections, just sitting there, ready for download with the master passwords, uh, could be downloaded by anyone. At least so says my guest, who discovered those files last year and tried to let North Carolina officials know about what appears to be a very serious security and data breach in the state of North Carolina's voting systems. Let's take a quick break here, and we will come back with that cybersecurity researcher, Chris Vickery, in what I believe is his first public interview regarding the disturbing disclosure that he made on Friday on Twitter about all of this. Chris Vickery joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey. 
Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You know what would be finer than being in Carolina in the morning? Uh, being anywhere in the world and being able to access all of their voting system files and manipulate them any way you wanted. Before, you know, presidential elections, midterm elections. Okay, so as we reported in the previous segment, the Mueller report references a private voter registration vendor named VR Systems, which supplies registration systems, computer registration systems, electronic poll books, and so forth to the state of Florida, whose governor about two weeks ago revealed to have had two different county registration system ac uh, systems accessed by Russian military intelligence before the 2016 presidential election. That was confirmed for the first time just two weeks ago by the Florida governor, the Republican governor, who says he was told by the FBI which two counties those were, but was not allowed to tell the public for some reason. Security by obscurity, I guess. Good luck with that. That announcement led to the folks in North Carolina, where VR Systems is also used, seeking a forensic investigation of their voter registration systems, which had uh, unexplained nightmarish problems on Election Day back in 2016 during the presidential election in that key swing state that ended up going to Donald Trump, reportedly. And with the Washington Post's exclusive report last week on the forensic investigation that DHS now finally plans to do in North Carolina, finally, after years of us pointing out here on the broadcast that DHS had examined zero systems after the twist ending of the 2016 presidential election, finally, uh, there will be such an investigation, at least partially, at least in North Carolina. And now... A cybersecurity data researcher by the name of Chris Vickery decided to go public with uh, following that news in The Washington Post. Chris Vickery decided to go public with his findings on North Carolina's election system and cybersecurity practices last Friday. Here's how he explains it in his Twitter thread, and he will join us momentarily to explain all of this. So Chris Vickery on Twitter uh, writes on Friday... Quote, putting this out there now because it is now a matter of undeniable public interest 
as well as relevant to the recently announced DHS investigation. North Carolina's Board of Elections had more than one AWS S3 buckets, that's an Amazon cloud service directory as I understand it, had more than one of those exposed to the public internet for an unknown period of time. North Carolina was notified before the 2018 midterms when I came across the exposed data, says Chris Vickery. The data set included voting system master passwords, which were labeled as having the capability to reset machines as well as other administrative powers. North Carolina's Board of Elections claimed the exposure was limited in impact because machine passwords and configurations, quote, would have been changed since the date of the backups, which were present in the exposed data. The post-election investigation into a North Carolina county's irregularities clearly states that some amount of machines were found to have not been reset or reconfigured since previous years of voting, writes Chris Vickery, who adds, if you ask me, this means the master passwords, which I found exposed to the public, were probably still good for an unknown amount of North Carolina voting machines. He says there's more to this, and I would like to assist the recently announced DHS investigators if they would find it helpful. Uh, he says these were their permissions, uh, which were set for this uh, file directory um, and the, marked as, you know, everyone has read and write access to these uh, to these uh, files. He says here is a redacted screenshot from the North Carolina publicly accessible data exposure, which he notes was discovered prior to the 2018 midterms and promptly reported by him, by Chris Vickery to the uh, North Carolina officials. And then he shows a screenshot with a list of passwords that Chris has uh, redacted here. But uh, the DAM password, I'll just read off what they are. We'll talk about what they uh, mean in a minute. DAM password, override password, service menu password, election central menu password, clear and test password, lock unlock password, Upload firmware password, qualification code password. That sort of sounds like all of the passwords to me. Speaking with Vickery over the weekend, uh, he shared an email with me that he says was in the same directory as these passwords from uh, the North Carolina State Board of Elections election technician, which reads all the attached screenshots should show just about all of the settings you will need for contests and candidates in IVIM, that's the Ivotronic uh, Information Manager. If your election is set up using my imports, if not, perhaps these will still help provide some guidance if needed. Let me know if you need anything else. Thanks. Well, none of this sounds good. Joining us now is Chris Vickery. He's the man who made this discovery last week and, and told uh, North Carolina about it. Well, he made the discovery last year. He told us about it last week. He told North Carolina about it last year. He revealed this information on Twitter on Friday. Following that story coming out from The Washington Post that uh, the DHS is finally preparing to do a forensic analysis of the 2016 elections in North Carolina two and a half years later. Of this, uh, at least of this company named VR Systems, which runs voter registration in about half a dozen U.S. states, including Florida and North Carolina. But these files, at least, 
that uh, Vickery found sitting out there seem to refer to the ESNS voting system itself, which is used across most of the state of North Carolina. Chris Vickery is the director of cyber risk research at UpGuard.com, a cybersecurity company based in North uh, Northern California. Chris Vickery, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, pleasure to speak with you. Glad to have you here. Uh, you uh, told the North Carolina State Elections Board about this issue before last year's elections. Do I understand that correctly? If so, what did they tell you at the time in, in response, Chris? Well, it was around September 22nd, I believe, that the uh, discovery was made. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put out kind of a, a alert on Twitter asking for anybody that had contact. I think we've lost you there, Chris. Of, of course we did. Uh, Chris, are you still there? Okay, there you are. You are still there. Uh, you, you said you, you heard about it in September of last year, and then we sort of lost you. So pick it up from there. Oh, you sort of lost me? Oh, yeah. sorry about that. No worries. Is that better? Yes, so far. Go for it. Okay, so yes, <laughs> in September was when the discovery was made, mm-hmm. and I put out kind of an all-points bulletin alert on my Twitter feed asking for any contacts within the uh, North Carolina State Department mm-hmm. of uh, IT, basically, because right. I needed to correct something. Right. And uh, so somebody reached out to me that was in the legislative arm of the state of North Carolina and uh, put me in contact with the IT folks. And uh, one of one of them, I believe, contacted the state board, but I was not directly on the phone with the state board uh, mm-hmm. CIO who eventually heard about it. And then that person shut down the bucket and uh, took care of what was needing to be taken care of and, uh, you know, reached out to me on Twitter and we had just a one message back and forth and uh, he confirmed that it was all secured. So this was when you refer to the bucket. In other words, this is a a bucket of files. It's a file directory that's kept on a, I guess, on a cloud server, an Amazon uh, cloud server. Do I understand that correctly? Yes. Okay. That, uh, it's, it's a cloud file repository. Okay. And uh, that bucket, as you refer to it, was when you found it, essentially wide open, no password necessary to download or look at any of these files. How many files are we talking about that was in that bucket, in that directory? Oh, I, I don't know how many, quite a few. Uh, yeah. It, it also goes into what do you count as a file, because each little individual thing, there are hundreds of thousands of them in there. Mm. I mean, it's, it's not all giant you know, spreadsheets, but there uh-huh. are thousands and thousands of files. And one of those files was, in fact, that, uh, that, that screenshot that you posted part of where you redacted the passwords, uh, a list of what appears, as you describe it, to be a list of master passwords. That, that was a graphic, a screenshot that was uh, available in that, uh, in that bucket? Yes, and the, the compressed file that that file was within was uploaded to the bucket in February of 2016. Mm-hmm. So if they're trying to claim that these passwords were, oh, you know, years and years old, well, then why were they still present in what was uploaded in, in a configuration file in 2016? Uh, there's that question. As well as what Mikey pointed out earlier, the, the previous three, three report that says 
uh, not all of the machines were reset and reconfigured from election to election. So these were passwords that were available in February of 2016 prior to the presidential election. Chris, do we know if uh, with with all of these passwords and by the way, these are passwords that refer to the ESNS, not to the voter registration system, but to the actual ESNS iVotronic voting systems that are used across much of the state of North Carolina. So do do we know if this bucket of files was unprotected as well prior to the 2016 presidential election? Only Amazon and the state board of elections would know the answer to that. They're only ones that would have access to those log files. Uh, The the options and, and settings in the cloud uh, the Amazon storage cloud are very granular, so you could theoretically have not been exposing at that time, but then a week before I found it changed the settings. But that's unlikely. Uh, chances are they set it up one way and it stayed that way. So I, I don't know for sure if they were exposed at that time, but it's possible. Do uh, uh, Desi, do, do you think we need to call? You're breaking up a little bit, uh, Chris, and I want to make sure that folks can understand what you're saying. Should we should we keep we'll go a little bit longer here? And, and let's see, we might uh, call you right back, Chris, and see if we get a better sell. But um, you also note in your uh, Twitter thread on this that someone would have had to actively choose to make this file repository available to the entire world it that these uh amazon cloud buckets directories are not unprotected by default someone uh would have wanted these files to be publicly available is 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 uh do i understand that correctly and is there a non-nefarious explanation for for something like that well yes and and well yes (laughs) <laughs> you would have to change these settings to make it public. It is not public by default. Somebody made that change. Mm-hmm. Whether they were trying to make it exposed to the entire world is, you know, up for debate. Uh, but that was the effect of what they changed. Uh, so, it, no, it is not by default open to everybody. As a uh, cyber risk expert... Chris Vickery, uh, would you conclude that this uh, breach would require a forensic analysis of elections that have been held uh, while those uh, files were vulnerable? And by the way, uh, you said they were dated uh, 2016. As far as we know, these could go back years and years uh, of, of North Carolina elections. They could have been using the same open system where I guess they wanted uh, other election officials to download uh, these file configurations. This could be going—we don't know how, how far back this was actually being done in, in uh, North Carolina, correct? There's a lot that's unknown. Uh, yeah, the, the history of when this stuff was implemented and when uh, it was taken or changed is, is not well known right now. It would require some sort of audit or, or you know, some sort of logs. Mm-hmm. We just don't have. And as I say, as an expert, uh, and you've seen and and discovered uh, various uh, vulnerabilities like this over the years, uh, including some vulnerabilities that have to do with elections, I think, down in Mexico and uh, uh, in Chicago as well, their voter registration system, knowing what that seeing the information that you saw in North Carolina 
knowing that it was available to the world and not just to foreign intrusion, but also domestic hackers as well? Would this be something that you would say in and of itself should require a forensic analysis of the voting systems in the state of North Carolina? I, I would hope that they would want to. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the laws in North Carolina would say specifically, but I I would say any reasonable person would want to look into this. And i, I got to be careful here on the word vulnerability. It's not really a vulnerability in the same sense of a computer vulnerability. It's just a, an exposure of data. It's, it's a different beast. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is a... a an exposure that shouldn't have happened. Well, an exposure, and I think I, I think you were online, uh, you heard some of my uh, intro to all of this and what we are told by the Mueller report and other officials how uh, hard Russia was working to try to get to our election systems in a bunch of states, whether they were voting machines or uh, voter registration machines, etc., this does not take, I've often pointed out, it does not take a nation state to hack these uh, systems. And the fact is, if North Carolina was giving away the passwords, I, I well, wouldn't you be concerned about what was done with those passwords? I would be very concerned. And I'd like to know who the data was intended for. If you put it up somewhere, you're intending it to be accessed by somebody. Mm-hmm. So who did they aim this for? That I would love to know that. Did you get any response from them on that? Or did you were you satisfied once you said, uh, hey, these files are out here. Anyone can access them. You should shut this down. And then you saw them shut it down. Was that, was that the end of your uh, concerns at that time last year? Well, not the end of the concerns, but it's not really my place to reach out to them and beat them over the head and say, hey, you need to do this now. I can't make demands of them. I can hope that they would do the right thing. But it's, you know, I have no leverage to, to force their hand in any way. Oh, I don't know. I, I think somebody needs to beat them about the head, uh, Chris. The uh, One of the passwords here, uh, the DAM password, DAM password, uh, DAM stands for Data Acquisition Manager. That's in the uh, ESNS iVotronic voting system. It's described in a... Uh, uh, the, the report from uh, Florida, there was a report years ago out of Sarasota after thousands of votes went missing altogether in a 2006 special U.S. House election in the Democratic stronghold of Sarasota. It was enough to flip the election to the Republican at the time. Uh, so the DAM, the uh, Data a- Acquisition Manager, is described in Florida anyway as an eight-port C-level serial card for modem communications, presumably uh, to receive unofficial election night results that are modemed in from precincts to county headquarters. Uh, With your experience on these kind of vulnerabilities, does that sound like it might allow alternate results to be modemed in if somebody, in fact, knew the, the password and the format that was expected for the data that was coming in via these uh, modemed reports on election night? Well, when you have computers and software and firmware updating passwords and modems all mixed in together, you have the capability to do a lot of crazy stuff. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I have no specific reason to believe that happened. But that is kind of a frightening concept to realize all the ingredients are there. All the ingredients are there. 
Uh, you mentioned also in your thread on Twitter that you would like to assist the DHS in their current uh, forensic analysis of at least voter registration system computers from 2016 in North Carolina following the uh, news that that private vendor VR Systems who designs and runs the state's voter registration system in North Carolina, that they were found to have been penetrated via a spear phishing attack, uh, at least in two Florida counties. The uh, state's Republican governor just conceded that in Florida a week or two ago. Um, have you been contacted by the DHS since you put this note out on, uh, on, uh, on Friday, I believe it was? Have you been contacted by the DHS either about assisting them in their investigation or have they contacted you to request the documents that you discovered to be unprotected online uh, and posted uh, screenshots from on Friday? The DHS, uh, I've, I've made similar comments in the past and things that I found that are related to uh, yeah, it, national infrastructure mm-hmm. things. That's it's kind of more of a way of me saying, hey, I am fully willing to cooperate here and, and help you guys and provide whatever data to you. Uh, you know, I don't want any trouble here, so I'm, I'm on your side. <laughs> right. That's, that's mostly a message to that. To that. Uh, but no, they, they have not reached out to my knowledge. I, I'm, I'm frankly, well, I want to say I'm surprised that they haven't reached out, if only to find out what those files were that you were able to obtain at that time. Uh, but, you know, apparently they're kind of slow. Apparently it took 18 months for them to even do anything uh, in North Carolina, or at least to begin doing anything. Uh, Chris Vickery, th- th- there was uh, what sounds to me... Uh, And I don't know if you're familiar with this story. We've covered it in great detail uh, on the broadcast. A very similar story out of Georgia uh, that was first reported by Kim Zetter over at Politico, where a cybersecurity data researcher like yourself uh, named Logan Lamb discovered similar files, including administrative voting system passwords and uh, et cetera, to be unprotected online before the 2016 elections in Georgia, another swing state. Those uh, files were actually found twice, as I understand it, before they were finally taken down. They were found. They told the election officials in Georgia they left them up there anyway. Uh, As Zetter reported in July of last year uh, regarding the same time period before the 2016 election, when Russian intelligence was said to be poking around in at least 21 different Uh, state systems. Uh, She writes, a security researcher in Georgia named Logan Lamb discovered a serious security vulnerability in an election server in his state. The vulnerability allowed him to download the state's entire database of 6.7 million registered voters and would have allowed him or any other intruder to alter versions of the database distributed to counties prior to the election. Lamb also found and here sounds like the most similar, also found PDFs with instructions and passwords for election workers to sign in to a central server on Election Day, as well as software files for the state's express poll book system. The electronic devices used by poll workers to verify voter eligibility before allowing them to cast a vote. This sounds to me like a very similar story to the one we're reporting today, where these uh, very similar files were left vulnerable on North Carolina systems. It, it does sound somewhat similar. I, I remember hearing about the Georgia situation, but I, I don't know any specific particulars about it. 
Now, this is not, I had mentioned, this is not the first time that you and or UpGuard, uh, the cybersecurity company that you work with, uh, have found vulnerable voter and election-related information online, correct? Well, I call it exposed data. Because okay. There's no exploits or hacking involved. It's just out there and available. But yes, this is not the first time. Uh, UpGuard is the same company that we came across, uh, the Deep Root Analytics bucket exposure that contained a copy of the GOP Data Trust database. Uh, we've also, a coworker of mine named John Hendren came across the Chicago DB uh, bucket that was, uh, I believe, in 2017 that had 1.8 million Chicagoans uh, voter registration and, and ESNS-related mm-hmm. files. Uh, in the past, before I was at UpGuard, I've found U.S.-wide voter registrations uh, three times, as well as all of Mexico once, and then the uh, sub-region of Sinaloa in Mexico <laughs> as well a separate time. Good Lord. Um, in, in those cases, uh, how did the officials respond? Did they, uh, were they open to your uh, concerns, your questions? Did they uh, take care of it uh, quickly, as at least they seem to have done in North Carolina, at least regarding making that directory private? You know, in Mexico, they took it very seriously. In the U.S., it was, it was very hard to get anybody to take the situation seriously. Uh, any of the times uh, prior to, to 2017 or so, uh, you just nobody would, would, take, would take responsibility over it. The Federal Elections Commission said they had no uh, jurisdiction there. Uh, I, it, it took forever to even get a report uh, taken by uh, the, the federal officials, let alone mm. any state AGs. Uh, it, it was taken very, very uh, laissez-faire, hands-off, I don't want to deal with this, until after the 2016 election about. Uh, well, until the 2016 election. So in the, in the other cases, they were laissez-faire. But in this case uh, that you reported in 2018, you found them to be more attentive to the concerns? Yes. People over the past few years have have become familiar with the danger of leaving voter registration databases out there and available. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a uh, an email, and you said there was a whole bunch of them, but there was an email from a, an election technician with the State Board of Elections. Uh, Brooks Garrett Jones is his name. Uh, I want to note that I've tried to contact Brooks Garrett Jones. Uh, he's the one who said that uh, the attached screenshots should show just about all the settings you would need for contests and candidates. Uh, if your election is set up using my imports, if not, these will have uh, provide some guidance if needed. I don't know if he was referring or he or she, I'm not sure, Brooks, uh, if that refers to a... Uh, um uh, to, to that particular, to those passwords or to some other information. The broadcast has inquired uh, to uh, Brooks Garrett Jones. I don't know if that same election technician is still there. There's been a lot of political shakeups at the North Carolina Board of Elections, to say the least, over the past year. Uh, if we get any more information on this, we will uh, we will of course let you know here. Uh, but uh, Chris. Uh, have you been, if not contacted by the DHS, have other folks in the media since you uh, published this on Friday at least began to t- uh, begun to touch base with you about what you found uh, last year? I'm hoping I'm not the only one covering this story, in other words. There's been a number of people uh, that have reached out to, to gain more details about it, which is 
you know, kind of what I was hoping would happen, mm-hmm. not because I'm looking for a bunch of attention personally, but just because this situation in North Carolina was bad, in my opinion, and it needs to be understood what was going on. Bad, meaning you have seen a lot of security vulnerabilities, and this was right up there with what what, what should not be done when it comes to cybersecurity? Well, again, it's, it's an exposure of data. I, I differentiate that from a vulnerability, but yes, it was, it was very concerning, especially because it has to do with elections and government and you know, elections have consequences, as they say. Mm-hmm. They do indeed, and they certainly have over the past few years in this country. Chris Vickery, uh, Director of Cyber Risk Research at UpGuard.com. That's a cybersecurity company uh, located in Northern California. Uh, I really appreciate you speaking out about this, uh, and I'll point folks towards your Twitter account, which is Vickery, S-E-C, as in security, Vickery Sec. Um, and we will uh, link to that, of course, when we post this show at bradblog.com. Uh, I appreciate not only you getting this information out there, but that, uh, as far as I can tell, you've been very responsive to folks who have questions about all of this uh, on Twitter. So I would uh, urge you to uh, urge listeners, uh, if they have more questions, uh, to contact Vickery Sec on Twitter. Chris Vickery, really appreciate you joining us today. Hope you'll stay in touch as this uh, entire fine mess moves forward, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. All right. We'll take a quick break. Uh, We'll come back with, uh, I know a couple of people wanted to get in with some uh, phone calls here. Maybe a constitutional crisis update, depending on the time we have. My phone number is 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at Brad bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Now the planning, the crime of the century. Well, what will it be? I think we know what it will be, what it has been. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, very quickly, speaking of crimes of the century, and but what a, are you as disturbed by that conversation as I am, Desi Doyen? Oh, Is it just me? Is it very much so? Especially, uh, and you know, the New York Times reported a couple of days ago that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is refusing to bring up any of the bills that have been proposed in the Senate to improve election security. Uh, several of which, one in the House, H.R. 1, and the PAVE Act, written by uh, Ron Wyden over in the Senate, would require hand-marked paper ballots like the kind we are moving away from here in Los Angeles next year for the 2020 presidential election. What could possibly go wrong? But McConnell is preventing all of them from coming up for a vote in the Senate before the 2020 election when we need to be doing this stuff. 
Well, maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe the folks in North Carolina don't want to. I mean, it seems clear that they know, as uh, Chris Vickery pointed out, they had to specifically open up these files to the world, that the Amazon uh, file buckets don't come like this uh, by default. They actually had to say, oh, well, let's make it open to the world for some reason. And again, maybe there's non-nefarious reasons. Maybe they just wanted to share it with other election officials. Uh, If so, it seems like they don't give a damn about security. They don't take it seriously. Uh, Or maybe there's a more nefarious reason. I don't know. Uh, Let me uh, get a couple of calls here real quick before we run out of time. Mike in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi. Yeah, one uh, possible explanation for why they left the combination of the safe written on top of the door (laughs) is, you know, just uh, a simple and universal explanation that is laziness. Uh, one of the uh, ways that the Allies broke the Enigma code during World War II is that one of the German operators, uh, every time they you know, sent a transmission over the airwaves, they're supposed to set a new code word. Mm-hmm. And every time he sent a message, he used Tom Mix as the code word. So it sort of gave him an opening together with the Wesley Park work, hmm. to break the Enigma. Uh, yeah, it does seem that uh, cybersecurity, a lot of times the problems uh, happen not because of the, uh, you know some evil, nefarious reason, but uh, because people are lazy and they just don't think, oh, that's not going to happen. Nobody's going to uh, bother uh, doing this or that. They don't know where, our, where we keep our files. Why would anybody bother to stop by the North Carolina State Board of Elections website and poke around. That's all the more reason to keep everything separate from the Internet. Uh, I appreciate that thought, Mike. They left the combination sitting on top of the uh, safe. Well said. Um, Do we have time for one more? Yeah, we do, because it's Mo, right? We got to go because it's Mo? All right. Morris in Long Beach, welcome to the broadcast, sir. How are you, my friend? Hey, Brad, every time I listen to this program, I think of my new Secretary of State. That's going to be you. Now, I tried to submit my application for the DA's office, but I don't have a degree. Uh, I haven't graduated from a law school, and I'm not a member of the board. So I think it's going to be easier for you to get your application going on and become the Secretary of State than it is for me to, for the DA. So I'll get okay. back with you and let you know what the fees are, Brad, but you're going to have to step up on this one. It's getting bad. And the guy, Chris, you was interviewing, yeah. tell him to watch out because the last guy that stepped up and told everybody what was going on, they put those folks in jail, didn't they, Brad? Uh, which folks are you talking about? Uh, you talking uh, about reality winner in that case? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, of course, she, she exposed uh, confident, uh, uh, classified documents uh, as, a, as an employee of the NSA, a subcontractor that's a slightly different. But, yeah, um, there may be some people who are not happy about this information being out there. And if so, I have just made my day by putting it out there. Hey, thanks, Brad, Ma. You're the new Secretary of State. Go, Brad, go. Brad Stevens, everybody, Secretary of State of California. That's what go you ahead, ke- Brad. That's what you keep saying, Mo. I hear you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, we will be back with a, another thrilling edition of the broadcast tomorrow. I hope you will join us for that as well. I didn't even get to my constitutional crisis update where um, uh, uh, Nadler, Jerry Nadler of the House Judiciary Committee has decided, for now anyway, to not... Uh, bring contempt charges on Tuesday against Attorney General William Barr. 
I guess we'll try to talk about that tomorrow and the reasons why. Until then, my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Ricky Harara, today, and of course, to my guest, UpGuard's Director of Cybersecurity Research, Chris Vickery. And thanks to all of you and the callers. Uh, you can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.